Good morning, everyone. So we begin the day, paying our respects to the, the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha. Wisdom, clear seeing, the truth that we can know for ourselves, that we can experience directly the teachings that point to that truth, that remind us where to look, where to find it. The Sangha, vast assembly of human beings who over hundreds of years have practiced according to these teachings, who've experienced benefits, had the insights, the understanding that arises when we contemplate such teachings and apply them to our own lives, and who've shared their understanding with others, either directly through offering teachings or through their example, their living in the world, following the guidance that the Buddha offered all those years ago, manifesting the results of that in their own lives, the sense of calm and inner balance that is not troubled, that is not shaken by any worldly condition, that really appreciates and really understands the limitations of this human existence that has understood, that has found the way of transcendence, attuning to this moment, to the deathless reality that is not born and that will never die. So the encouragement to live our lives in ways that support that understanding, living carefully, responsibly, mindfully, as best we can, in following this path of cultivation, eightfold path, cultivating right speech, care in how we communicate, knowing the right time, the right place, when to speak, when to keep silent, learning how to listen so we really hear what others are trying to say to us, what they're trying to communicate, cultivating right action so that we act do things in ways that are supportive, helpful, kind. Learning how to restrain our less helpful impulses so that we're not acting, speaking from a place of anger or a wish to hurt or harm somebody else. Even although these impulses will surely arise as part of the human experience. We don't always feel kind and loving and generous. 
Sometimes other things arise in the mind. Sometimes we really want to hurt somebody. It might just be a momentary impulse, but it can be very real, very strong. So when we recognize such an impulse arising, we're careful, we're restrained, we don't follow it. Knowing that when speech or action follows a harmful impulse in the mind, as a harmful result. So our practice of mindfulness enables us to be more vigilant, to be able to discern more quickly the arising of unwholesome, unhelpful thoughts, feelings, desires, so that we can exercise restraint we're no longer pulled into a habitual response to these things. Such restraint arises from a place of wisdom, a place of clarity, a place of inner balance. There's a concern for the consequences of how we live our lives. So we're careful. So the encouragement is to investigate, to stay attuned, stay mindful, present in our lives. Making space for whatever may arise in consciousness. Learning how to discern between thoughts, impulses that are helpful and those that are not, so that we can live our lives in ways that support our own welfare and the welfare of all those around us, the planet itself. It's a gradual process as layers and layers of our conditioning is gradually revealed to us as we're more able to stay present, to observe, to notice all of our patterns of thinking, our habitual responses. Sometimes we can be very fearful of our inner reactions to things. There may be enormous anger or grief or sorrow arising apparently from nowhere. And we may really be afraid that we could do enormous damage through having such powerful feelings arising, such powerful emotions. This can happen as we begin our practice of meditation and as our journey continues it can happen so we need to be watchful for these energies that can come from things that we've repressed the anger is so strong we're so afraid of it that we press it down we repress it 
don't let it out. And this can come from very early conditioning. And yet even as adults, this can be very, very real. So in our practice, we need to be curious about this. Not afraid, not to push it back down again, where it leads to all kinds of other difficulties, but to gradually let these things into consciousness. The anger, the confusion, the rage, the sorrow. Gradually letting them into consciousness so that they can show themselves, be seen as they are, as part of the flow of conditions of life. Energies need to be released or transformed into wholesome activity, wholesome energy. So the practice of restraint is different from the practice of repression. Restraint is a skillful holding back. When it's not the right time to speak or to act, we hold back, we wait. If it seems to be very strong, very irrational, then we take time to try to understand, to try to support a healing of that hurt that gave rise to that anger, that fear. Practicing meditation, particularly walking can be helpful. Spending time in nature, among the trees, mountains, rivers. These can all support the healing for a heart that's troubled confused. So the Buddha never said that we shouldn't have these feelings, these emotions, but that they're to be understood, that they're to be investigated, they're to be seen for what they are. Energies arising in consciousness, part of the human condition, The Buddha himself was Lokavitu. He was wise to the world. He understood all of these conditions that human beings can experience. He knew them. He knew them for what they were, what they are. Impermanent conditions, constantly changing, part of the flow of life. Anicca, dukkha, unsatisfactory. Not to be identified with. Not to be indulged in, not to be followed. Anatta, not self. Simply part of the flow of life, changing conditions. When we understand our experience in this way, it becomes easier to let go, to let go of the desire for things to be otherwise. We see them for what they are. 
the habit of attaching, of clinging, is very strong. Although at times we may know that we should let go, sometimes it's not so easy. So we need to be patient and even somewhat inventive. As we get to know ourselves better, we can learn how to find skillful means, practices that can support letting go. And the Buddha in his lifetime presented many, many, many of these skillful means, ways of investigating, ways of challenging the assumptions that we make about our lives, just contemplating the impermanence of the body, of feelings, of perceptions, of sense consciousness, of mental formations. Just contemplating the impermanence of these things allows us to see that they're not who and what we are. They're not a self. Form is not a self. Feelings are not a self. Perceptions are not a self. Mental formations, all of our ideas, our emotions, our desires, our longings, these are not who and what we really are. There is no self. Since consciousness is not a self, all conditions are impermanent. There is no self in the conditioned, in the world of conditions or the unconditioned. So little by little we let go, we pare away all of the elements that we use to construct this edifice of who and what we are. And instead our sense of refuge becomes stronger and stronger. Our refuge in mindfulness, in awareness, in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. This is what we can rely on. This is where we can find perfect liberation from the world of conditions. So during the day we can observe, we can notice things as they arise and cease in consciousness. Bodily sensations, sights, sounds, tastes, smells, thoughts that arise in the mind, ever changing. Using the body, using the breath as anchors for this present moment awareness. Going for refuge to that which knows this moment as it reveals itself. So we can sit quietly, noticing this is how it is right now. One breath, and then the next breath. 